0: All right, let's get started. If anyone needs the notes, they're right here in the back. There's some pins too. Um, I'll start with a word of prayer and then we'll jump right in. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that we get to worship you this morning. Thank you that we get to learn more about you. Um, We love you, Lord. We're just... Thankful for the opportunity to do any of this because of the blood of your son, um, pray that this time of learning would be profitable, and we could just see how excellent and beautiful you are. We love you in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, so welcome to week two of "Everyone Is a Theologian: Discerning Truth from Error." It's kind of a systematic theology, and today we're talking about the incommunicable attributes. Of God. Um, from the very first page of the Bible, the absolute transcendence of God above his creatures comes to our attention. Without strain or struggle, he calls the whole world into existence by his word alone. By the word of the Lord, the heavens made, and all the angels by the breath of his mouth. Psalm 33 6. He speaks and it is done. He commands and it stands fast. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can stop God's hand and ask him what he's doing or why he's doing something. The nations are like a drop in the bucket to him. All nations before him are as nothing and they are counted to him as less than nothing And vanity, vanity like Solomon uses in Ecclesiastes. It's like a breath. Who is like our God? No one. No one can compare to him. Nothing can compare to him. There is no name by which he can truly be named. His name is wonderful. When God speaks to Job out of the thunder and displays the magnitude of his works before him, Job humbly bows his head and says, behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Behold, God is great and we know him not. Such knowledge is too wonderful for us. It is high. We cannot attain it. So what a nice way to start learning about God. So some comfort is we can't fully know God. You'll never fully know God, but we can truly know God. We can know him in truth through his word. So today, incommunicable attributes. Um, At the top of your papers, it says, the excellencies of virtues that demonstrate, this is what these attributes are, the excellencies or virtues that demonstrate that all that is in God exists in him in an absolutely divine way, and is therefore not susceptible to being shared by creatures. This group of attributes affirms the absolute exaltedness and incomparableness of God. They are peculiar and proper to him alone, and not found in creatures, and cannot be shared with creatures. For all creatures are dependent, changeable Composite and subject to time and space. So the first attribute that we're going to talk about is God's independence or aseity. A.W. Tozer said, To admit the existence of a need in God is to admit incompleteness in the divine being. Need is a creature word and cannot be spoken of the creator. God has a voluntary relation to everything he has made but he has no necessary relation to anything outside of himself. His interest in his creatures arises from his sovereign good pleasure, not from any need those creatures can supply, nor from any completeness they can bring to him who is complete in himself. So God is independent of all things. He is perfectly self-sufficient, not depending on anything outside of himself or for anything. And is therefore the eternal foundational being, the source of life, and sustenance for all other things. Some scriptural evidence is, number one, as Yahweh, God is self-existent, having life in and of himself. So this morning we we have a lot to get through. Uh, Mike wanted me to do the, uh, these attributes, and it's, it's a good amount. So we're going to be moving. <laughs> so one, as Yahweh, God is self-existent, having life in and of himself. He has everything in himself. He doesn't need anything. Number two, God existed before all things. And through him alone, all things exist. So even before Genesis 1, God was there. Before time, God was there. Before anything, he was already there. The reason, the only reason God has enemies is because he allows them to exist. Number three, God is Lord of all. He's the king. We've been learning that in Matthew. He's the king over all. He created everything, so he owns everything. <clears throat> Number six, he does as he wills. Psalm um, our God is in the heavens. He does as he pleases. He doesn't need to ask for permission. Um, Number seven, his counsel is the basis of everything. He chooses what happens, him and him alone. Number eight, he does everything for his own sake. Everything is for the glory of God. Every little thing, every molecule moves For His glory, for His purpose, for His own sake. Number nine, He needs nothing, being all sufficient. And as you see, there's tons of verses. We obviously don't have time to go through all of them, Um, but they're in your notes. So if you want to look those up to uh, see the scriptural evidence of these attributes. Uh, Number eleven, He is independent in His mind, His will. His counsel, his love, and his power. He does what he wants. He counsels himself. His love, he loves what he loves, what he decides to love. His power, he decides to use it how he wants. God is independent. The next attribute is his immutability, which means he is unchanging. God is perfectly independent. Unchanging in his essence, his character, his purpose, and his promises. God is not going to change. The seasons come and go, but God does not change like seasons. God is not a fair weather friend. He um, doesn't only walk with you when things are going good. God is faithful, and he stays faithful. Uh, God doesn't change when you change. We are creatures. We are human. We change. We have emotions. Um, Different trials come. Different seasons come. But God is still the same. He's unchanging. God doesn't change when others view you differently. Maybe you get canceled on Twitter. (laughs) But you know what? You're not canceled if you're one of his children. God does not change. He doesn't care the opinions of man. Um. And same with popular opinion, whatever people think of you, God's going to think of you what he thinks of you. Um, and then some scriptural evidence. Number one, he's eternally the same. Psalm 102, I'll read that. Let's see. Psalm 102, 25 to 27. Good morning. Psalm 102, 25 to 27, of old you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens of the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. You will change them like a robe and they will pass away, but you are the same and your years have no end. The children of your servants shall dwell secure. Their offspring shall be established before you. So even as the earth changes, God is eternally the same. Um, number two, he's the first and the last. Like I said, he was before the beginning, and he's he will be here when everything fades away. And he will be the same. Uh, number three, he is what he is. Number four, he is incorruptible, alone, having immortality, always remaining the same. So us as humans, we can be corrupted. You know, good company corrupts good morals. No matter who God is around. I mean, he's around us. (laughs) And he's not corrupted. He is always the same. He's immutable. Um, Five, his thought, purpose, will, and decrees are unchangeable. He executes his threats and promises. If he promises something, it's going to happen. It's as good as done. When he promises that you are saved, if he promises you have eternal life, you have eternal life and you can't do anything to jump out of his hand. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand because God is unchanging in his promises. He does not repent of his gifts and calling. He doesn't need to apologize for anything. He does not cast off people with whom he has made a covenant. He glorifies those whom he foreknew. Like I said, if he saved you, if he predestined you and foreknew you, and saved, justified you, he will glorify you. One day when we die, or if he comes, we will be glorified, without a doubt. He perfects what he starts. If God has saved someone, he will finish that work. And number six, he does not change. The next one, God is eternal. God perfectly transcends all limitations of time so that he is without beginning, without ending, and without succession of moments in the experience of his being and in his consciousness of all other reality. In other words, in his experience of himself and all reality outside of himself, God is not limited by moments of time. So time is a creation by our God. And that's crazy to think about. It's crazy to think about that God is outside of time. It's all in front of him. He is the first and the last at the same time. Think about I use the word time. (laughs) God is outside of time. He existed before creation, before in the beginning, God already was and he will endure forever, Psalm 102, 26 to 27. We read that. Um, God's number of years cannot be discovered. Job 36, 26, I'll, I'll take a look at that. Behold, God is great, and we know him not. The number of his years are unsearchable. So just like that says. Um, Number six, one thousand years in his sight are as a day due to his immediate experience of all time. Psalm 90 verse 4. Just take a look. So you guys don't think we're making this up. Psalm 90 verse 4, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. Um, all time, all years are all in front of him like a timeline. And we can't grasp that because we deal with Today. And we remember yesterday and we, we look forward to tomorrow, but God sees them all in front of him like he sees us. <clears throat> He's eternal. He has no beginning, no end. He always was. He inhabits eternity. He lives forever. He is incorruptible, again, and immortal. He can't die. He was, is, and is to come. We hear that all the time. But I like that in um, MacArthur's biblical doctrine. I like that he adds all at once to these things. He's the beginning and the end, all at once. He was and is and is to come, all at once. And that kind of helps you picture it, kind of, if you can. It's a lofty concept. Um, His purpose is eternal. He's the eternal king. He's not just the king king. In the book of Matthew, in all the books, in all time, he's the king. Before he created creation, he was already king. Number 14, he existed and acted before the ages began. Um, Next, immensity and omnipresence. Another crazy thing to think about. God is perfectly present with himself, transcending all limitation of space, and yet present with every point of space, with all that he is. Transcendence means that God is greater than and independent of the creation. Immensity refers to the fact that God transcends and fills all space. And omnipresence indicates that God is present with every point of space in his entire being. So God is everywhere, all at once, and all of him is there. He's not spread out over all of creation, over all time. He is presently everywhere, all of him. He's omnipresent. He's the creator and possessor of all things. Let's see. Uh, Colossians 1.16, New Testament. Let's see what it has to say. Colossians 1.16, talking about the preeminence of Christ. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him, and for him. He's the creator. And so he owns it. Uh, heaven and earth cannot contain him. No space can contain him. Um, it's like a common, silly question when thinking about this. Um, so, like, if we have, a, it, is God in this cup if he's omnipresent? Well, yes, but like, that's silly. <laughs> he's fully everywhere. He's fully here, everywhere. Um, And heaven and earth cannot contain him. His creation cannot contain him. He fills heaven and earth, so nothing is hidden from his presence, and he is both close and far off. What? (laughs) Um, Nothing is hidden from him. Our hidden sins our hidden little secrets. Um, if someone's hiding from you, there's no hide and go seek with God. He's fully everywhere. Nothing's hidden from him. He sees everything because he's there. Fully. <clears throat> he man- but he manifests himself variously in various places. For example, he dwells and has his throne in heaven. There's lots of scripture for that um he descends from heaven does that mean that he's not in other places anymore that's not what it means but he can manifest himself variously he descends from heaven Um, he dwells in the midst of his people he's far relationally from the wicked Um, He's close relationally to the righteous. Sinner, saved. That doesn't mean God's not there with the sinner. He's there. But relationally, it's different. And then if you are a child of God, He's with you. Differently. Relationally. Christ is the fullness of the body of uh, Godhead bodily. Colossians 2.9. I'll turn there since it's right here. Colossians 2.9. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. In Jesus, the whole Godhead dwelled in him. He was fully God. <clears throat> and then, G, God indwells the church. Let's see, Romans 8.9. You have a question? Questions aren't allowed. I'm just kidding. Right, the essence. Uh, where 2, 9, or 8. Romans 8, 9. You, however... Are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong in him. Verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. God indwells the church. God indwells Christians, the spirit. Um, So now let's talk about God's unity, his numerical oneness. God's unity and his His perfect uniqueness of essence. God is unique. There's nothing like him. So that neither is he more than one essence. God is one, nor is there more than one divine essence. He is the only God. One God is the is only one essence. Deuteronomy 6:4, let's see. This Deuteronomy 6:4. Hear O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. <laughs> Pretty simple. Mark 12, 29, let's let's hurry and get there. Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's quoting Deuteronomy. So our God, he is unified, he is one essence, he is one. Although we believe in the Trinity. Um, God is unique, there's nothing like him. There's only one God. So there was this viral clip of this pastor. He, I don't know why pastors always try to do this, or preachers, whatever. You can call them what you want. I don't know why they always do this. It fails every time. Every example that you try to do of God fails. Every illustration. He, God is like gas and water and ice. At one time, he's this and this and this, and that's the problem. At one time, no. Uh, He is not one thing at a time. He's not a different mode. That's called modalism. That's an easy way to remember modalism. Different modes. Gas, water, ice. God is not like that. God is all the same. One. He is one, but three. Three persons. There's a diagram. I should have put it in here. Where it says God. uh, Jesus is God. The Spirit is God. The Father is God. But then it says The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck trying to grasp that. And like part of those illustrations is like, all right, cool, you're trying to understand God, but there's some things that we just can't understand. No illustration is going to explain God. No illustration in creation, nothing in creation is going to explain the Creator. It's impossible. He's unique, and there's only one like him. So idols are vain and empty. Idols are dumb, (laughs) in the true sense of the word, too. Um, In the New Testament, God's unity is revealed in Jesus Christ. Uh, John 17, 3. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, and Jesus, whom that you have sent. So the Father sent Jesus, the Spirit, when, he was get, when Jesus got baptized, descended on him like a dove. The Father ripped the sky open and said, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. So in the New Testament, God reveals to us in his word that Jesus' mission, all of God, all of the one God, is in unity, and that's revealed in Christ, Jesus Christ. Related to unity, God is also simple. God's this perfection is intended. Oh wait, sorry, that's the wrong part. God's simplicity is his indivisible indivisibility, his lack, his perfect lack of composition. This means that each of and all of his perfections are, of, are his essence. So God is simple. He doesn't have parts. He is all that one. And this is another thing that's hard to grasp because we have an arm, we have a leg. God does not have an arm or a leg. He is He does not have composition. He is spirit. Um, He's, I don't want to say, (laughs) the thing about talking about God is when you try to explain it too much, you get yourself into trouble. (laughs) Um, This perfection is intended by statements that God is truth, he's righteousness, wisdom, spirit, light, life, love, and holiness. So God is made up I can't, I can't use that word. I can't use the word made. I can't say made up. <laughs> God, but, oh, my goodness. Huh? Yeah, but you can't really. Right. He's fully wisdom. He's fully righteous. He's fully spirit. He's fully light. He's fully life. He's fully love and holiness and perfect in those things. Such passages that you find on your paper reveal God as the complete fullness of each respective quality. Um, Omniscience. Do you guys know what this one is? Without reading it? All knowing? Yeah. God's omniscience is his perfect knowing of himself, all actual things outside of himself. And all things that do not become reality in one eternal and simple, not having any parts, but having distinctions, act, <clears throat> exertion of energy. One should note that this definition does not say that God knows things that are possible. Because in God's eternal mind and plan, there are only actual things, not possible things. So... I don't want to use too many, like, young examples, but Dr. Strange just came out, and there's a multiverse. There's no multiverse. There's, there's no different possibilities, because God chose this reality, and God chose this plan. There's no other plans. There's no other possible things. You're here, and this was the plan. Your life is going this way, and this was the plan. Um, he does know what would have occurred if circumstances had been different, but since in his mind and plan, they would never occur. They are not possibilities. Only what is in God's plan is possible because only that could ever become reality in time. <laughs> you could spend so many weeks on like each of these things and we will spend eternity Just marveling at God. Even the gospel. We'll be marveling at the gospel forever. Like, Why did this God, this amazing God, come down to save us? It's mind-blowing. And we'll marvel at at it forever. And we will worship him forever. So God himself is triune. He knows himself. Um, He knows all things. He knows all needs, all your needs, God knows. He knows every little thing, even the needs that you don't even know, your needs for next week. Someday you're going to lose your job, maybe. Someday you're going to get sick, but God already knows, and he has it all planned out. And if you're his child, it's all for your good. Um, He knows even the smallest physical things, every molecule. There's no molecule out of his control. He knows where every single one is. Every little grain of sand. We just went to the beach this last week, Thursday. There's sand everywhere when you get back from the beach. If you, if you venture out into the sand, you go into the ocean, oh man, there's sand in my ear, there's sand in my hair. God knows where every little piece of sand is. He's not surprised. He's never surprised with, oh, there's sand in your ear? Um, God knows where every little thing is. Every little thing is in his control. God knows the heart of man. Like I said, there's no hide-and-go-seek with God. He knows every little thing. He knows the things that you don't even understand about you. Um, He knows the thoughts and meditations of man. Um, Even the thoughts that you think are secret. Oh, my husband doesn't know this thought. My wife doesn't know this. My friend doesn't know this about me. God does. God knows. and He's not surprised by any thought. Um, he knows man in the totality of his being and acts. Uh, Psalm 139. Um, God knows Sheol and Abaddon. If you don't know what that is, it's a place of destruction. Um, He knows man's sin and wickedness. He knows it. He knows things that are contingent from a human perspective. He knows people before they are conceived. Before you have a little baby, God already knows who that baby is because he's outside of time. All these all these attributes, they all work together perfectly. Um, he knows the future things. Because he's outside of time, he's already there fully. So he knows them. He's not surprised. Uh, the thing—the days and geographical limits ordained for each person, he knows. Um, and God is omnipotent. God's omnipotence describes his ability to do anything consistent with his nature. Um, God's names and titles display his power. El, Elohim, God, El Shaddai, God Almighty, Adonai, Yahweh, Yahweh Sabaoth, the Mighty One of Israel, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The Lord Almighty, the blessed and only sovereign. Number 2, nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is impossible. If something's in his will, he doesn't have to try to do it. He just does it. God does whatever he pleases. <clears throat> God works, God's works reveal his omnipotence. His creation all of creation, it's amazing. We try to dis- we're trying to explore space. We can only go so far. We look at the sun, and it's huge. It's amazing, and it's 93 million miles away. Creation is crazy to think about, and yet God created it with a word. Nothing is too hard for God. And he reveals that in his creation, his providence, things in your life, things that you pray for. You don't have to worry if he can do it. God, help me out with this. He can help you out with that. And his redemption, him saving you, him coming down and dying for you and raising from the dead. And if you repent and believe in him, you don't have to worry about if he can save you. He can and he will. All power belongs to God. He lets other people use some of it. (laughs) Um, And then lastly, God is perfection. The perfection of God speaks not only of his moral perfection, that is, that he is perfectly holy, perfectly just, and perfectly good, but also that God is the sum total of of all conceivable perfections. He is perfectly all these things that we've talked about. You don't have to worry about him using these things for bad. You can trust him more than anything. Number one, God's greatness in its totality is beyond human discovery. Like I said, we'll be searching these things forever. Forever. We'll be marveling at them forever. God's mercy toward those who fear him is greater than man's perception. It's better than you can even think it is. (laughs) God's work is perfect and that his acts are perfectly truthful and just. What God says is good and it's perfect. There's no better way. There's no better way to live than how he says to live. There's no better person to trust. Um, um, God's work is perfect. No, I just said that one. God's way is perfect. So his word is perfectly true. Like I tell the young adults all the time, God's way of doing things is the best way of doing things. The world tries to tell us to do things a different way. They try to redefine love. They try to redefine all these different things. They try to twist things. And sometimes we believe them. But God's way of doing things, even though sometimes it's hard, sometimes it doesn't make sense, God's way is the best way. It is perfect. His word is trustworthy. It is perfectly true. And then God is morally perfect. There's no there's no shadow in him. There's no little bit of darkness in him. He is perfectly light. He is perfectly perfect. And so, those are the incommunicable attributes of God. Um, like we said at the beginning, these are the excellencies or virtues that demonstrate that all that is in God They exist in him in an absolutely divine way, not susceptible to being shared by creatures. We can't do these things, no matter how hard we try. These are God things. Um, And so I just, to close, perfect timing, to close, I just wanted to read um, this from Valley of Vision, this collection of Puritan prayers and devotions called God the All. This is a way to close. Um, and prepare for the worship service. It says, "O God, whose will conquers all. There is no comfort in anything apart from enjoying thee and being engaged in thy service. Thou art all in all, and all enjoyments are what to me. Thou makest them, and no more. I am well pleased with thy will, whatever it is, or should be in all respects. And if thou bidst me decide for myself in any affair, I would choose to refer all to thee, for thou art infinitely wise and cannot do amiss, as I am in danger of doing. I rejoice to think that all things are at thy disposal, and it delights me to leave them there. Then prayer turns wholly into praise, and all I can do is to adore and bless thee. What shall I give thee for all thy benefits? I am in a strait betwixt two, knowing not what to do. I long to make some return, but have nothing to offer, and can only rejoice that thou doest all, that none in heaven or on earth shares thy honor. I can of myself do nothing to glorify thy blessed name, but I can through grace cheerfully surrender soul and body to thee. I know that thou art the author and finisher of faith, that the whole work of redemption is thine alone, that every good work or thought found in me is the effect of thy power and grace, that thy sole motive in working in me to will and to do is for thy good pleasure. O God, it is amazing that men can talk so much about man's creaturely power and goodness when, if thou didst not hold us back from every moment, We should be devils incarnate. This, by bitter experience, thou has taught me concerning myself. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for condescending to us and allowing us to understand a tiny, tiny bit of your excellencies. Lord, you are beyond our comprehension, but thank you for allowing us to know you truly. Thank you for, despite how amazing and awesome you are, you came down to save us, and we will marvel at that forever. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the fellowship that we get to enjoy. Thank you that we get to worship you, and that you are a God who is worthy of worship. Um, We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.